With Father's Day right around the corner, what do you give to the man who has everything? Easy. You give him an experience he'll never forget. You give him Omaha Steaks because a world-class dad deserves a world-class steak. The Father's Day experts at Omaha Steaks have made it easy to put a smile on the big guy's face this summer with hand-selected gift packages starting at just $89. Just go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout for an additional discount when you shop gourmet gift packages for Father's Day. With Omaha Steaks, the possibilities are endless. Endless flavor, endless variety, and endless value. Truly, they have perfected more than just steak. Your dad is guaranteed to love every bite. Go to omahasteaks.com, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to get an exclusive savings. Shop for unforgettable gifts that are guaranteed to make dad's day. Because if there's one thing that Omaha Steaks knows, it's the dads want steak. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to save on exclusive packages starting at just $89. What is up? Welcome to episode number 298 of On the Corner of the Official. Pitchlist.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast, joined as always by the nostalgic Nick Pollock. Nick, how you doing? What is happening? I'm nostalgic because I watched the trailer for Alex Fast's film. Uh, th- this was what, 10 years ago? 15? Something like that? It, it's, what it's a loser. Else. What a loser. Is What's that a little from the loser, film? boy? No, it's not. I was just making it up. Uh, yeah. I, I can't believe you subjected yourself to that. And we're not going to subject glorious. anyone here. Uh, it's glorious. Is, is there are many adjectives? And um, if you're <laughs> thinking about the, uh, the the what the educational series that you did, the travel, the cha uh, cha travel triplex. flicks, triplex, yeah, triplex. Yeah. Yep, not yep. that. This yep. is an actual featured film you made. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And Full on nude. Yeah, there is a scene of you running through a, a lawn with like a pillow over, you know, shielding the people from yourself. Oh, and a shower scene, a full on nude. Oh, I didn't know about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, that's It'll on the never trailer. See the light of day. It'll oh, never I, see the light I, of day. I have reached out to the person who made this. So oh one God. day. All right. One day. One day. One day. Uh, but that is not what we're here to talk about today. What are we here to talk about today? We're here to talk about some really nice upside starting pitchers for today. So what we're going to do is we're going to look. We are going to look at ADP this week as opposed to last week where we weren't really going to be considering it. And Nick had a very good idea, which I really loved, where we're going to Pick two guys from the 50 to 75 range, two guys from the 75 to 100 range, and one guy from the 100 plus range who we think could theoretically end the year a top 20 pitcher. So remember, this isn't 50, 75 overall pick. This is 50 to 75 pitcher off the board, including relievers in there. So we are looking at the ADP also because it's a little bit early. We're looking at ADP starting uh, in as early as it starts October 1st to now. Um, I think it doesn't let us know how many drafts 113 picks. So this is a, mm-hmm. it's a good amount of data here. Good amount yeah, of data there is, here. When I, I made a mistake before. I didn't uh, realize that a lot of them were draft champions. So, for example, I thought Boz was really high. He will be falling down because in your standard league with the weekly stuff early on, you don't want to risk necessarily Boz being uh, in the minors or limited innings. But draft champions, it's a little bit yeah. different. So that's why he was ballooned in previous casts. 
Now, there are a few. I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's a few in here which kind of feel like easy way outs. Those are probably mm-hmm. mine. And then there are a few in here <laughs> which are a little bit like if you squint, maybe you could see a top 20 pitcher. Um, and we're going to actually we're going to we're going to dive in right away. And this right isn't away. a squinter. This is a guy who there's been a lot of you know talk about for years and years. He's had his issues that he hasn't been able to pitch. Um but there's so much upside there and so much excitement around him. And that's Nick's first pick, Mr. Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech right now is the number five starter for the White Sox. Uh, this is something I would like to have more clarity on, but we aren't going to get it for a little bit. It depends, of course, how long this lockout goes. Uh, and if the White Sox want to add a little bit more depth, they might. They might also make it a little bit of a battle with Renato Lopez or so. And we probably won't see more than 150 innings from Kopech this year however let's say he jumps in that rotation is the number five spot and you probably have an April where they skip a starter too this is legit upside I mean y'all know this uh 36% K rate last year mostly as a reliever when he did start he had these amazing outings and all I remember the entire year we're just hoping oh it's a double header are they gonna let Kopech start maybe they'll do maybe we'll see four or five innings and he came through every time I uh, fastball he was through it about two thirds of the time I imagine it comes down a bit if you see him more in a starter role uh but he's really it's a fastball slider the fastball 97 average last year even if it's the 95 96 because he's a starter it's still going to be a very effective pitch slider was thrown about a third of the time last year CSW was 35 percent he got his zone rate of 47 percent I think even the 31 percent O swing on Kopech slider could get better uh, 202 batting average allowed. It, it, it's there. It's all there. We actually remember see saw the the changeup at times become a good offering in the past. I think that can become a proper third pitch. Uh, you throw him in the rotation uh, long enough, but really that fastball slider combination. You have a guy who can put up a mid three ZRA with a low whip and an elite strikeout rate without walking uh, the entire lineup. So there's certainly hype with Kopech, and I definitely wanted to highlight him here. Yeah, and I mean, it it stinks because we had that one tease start in the beginning or actually the end of April against the uh, Rangers, I believe it was, where he struck out 10 over five. And it was like, oh, my God, it's happening. Everyone, it's happening. We're finally here. (laughs) And then, you know, they teased him a little bit where he would kind of be an opener. He went two innings with like a perfect line and four strikeouts. So I really do love this because I think what he ended the year with about 70 innings. Uh, so it wouldn't be out of the question, I think, next year to kind of double that. Um, you've got another good year under the belt with Ethan Katz, who I think we obviously saw work wonders with Giolito. We saw him make some good strides with Dylan Cease. So having him there again with a, a young guy like Michael Kopech, there's just so much upside there. So, yeah, it, it wouldn't surprise me if this was the year we finally saw that breakout. What do, what do you so it looks like. Uh, which projection system is already out? Steamer has him as at 145 innings. They take go. the over, or the under on that. Well, I it's funny you say that fast because of your projections. Because I actually have projections if I can find them in time. Because I I totally have them always sitting in front of me. But so yeah, you guys don't know. Last week I spent the entire week. I think I did about eight streams, maybe nine streams in seven days because I did uh, multiple at night as well going through all the 200 pitchers and just creating projections for everybody. So for the White Sox, I have Kopech very conservatively 140 innings, 386 ERA with a 120 whip uh, with a 29% K rate. 
and that's 22 starts. I, I don't know. I, it's a projection. You guys know me in projections. It doesn't really showcase the actual uh, value because of how high and, and uh, they can soar and the probability of that outcome. But uh, Kopech certainly can beat that projection. In 140 innings, yeah, 145. Maybe 150 is a new 140 in this way from younger arms. Uh, that seems about right to me. Yeah, I'm curious. I, I guess I would, if I had to, I'd probably, well, you said 136, right? 130? Uh, 386 ERA, 140 innings. 140 innings. Okay, yeah. I would either I push or take the, I guess I would push or take the under. I don't know why. I guess I don't really have any reason to believe. I guess theoretically, if Reynaldo Lopez does kind of, because he had flashes last year. He's had flashes his entire career, I guess. But, uh, yeah, but there, I think you'd have some, a lot of angry White Sox fans if Reynaldo Lopez took the number five spot instead of Kopech. I think I could see I could see a situation where the White Sox are just running away with that division and they're like, let's just save Kopech for the playoffs. So sure. he's oh, going to yeah. lose a lot of innings. I mean, to get uh, 140 as a stardom, I have him at around 22 starts or something like that because it has some relief mm-hmm. appearances in there, too. But I mean, you have to that uh, you're missing at least a month in some way if you're getting. 140. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree that there's easily top 20 upside there. Um, we're going to move into uh, a guy that you're very familiar with for my first pick, a guy going between Ooh. 50 and 75 uh, who could <laughs> easily break into that top 20. And for some people, it might seem like it's is a little bit of a cop out. But I do also get the sense that people are a little bit worried. Uh, and my first pick is going to be Zach Gallen. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, it, it didn't really... You didn't get the Zach Gallon that you wanted last year. He ended with a 430 ERA and a 425 FIP, right? And there's plenty of numbers that you can point to that says that things are a little bit scary for him. I do think it's ironic that even with the poor season, he finished with a 27% K rate. Um, the whip was obviously not fantastic. It wasn't terrible. It was still below, you know, 1.3, but it wasn't obviously great. Um, it's it's easy to like pinpoint things that were difficult for for Zach Allen last year, right? I mean, the fastball technically wasn't terrible. The cutter and the cutter usage isn't what you really wanted it to be from him. And I think a lot of the struggles that we saw were as a result of those cutters. But I think that the reason the cutter issues even persisted to begin with because of the health issues that he was having. And I mean, this is a guy who was dealing with a, I believe it was a hamstring injury. He was dealing with a forearm injury. He oh, was dealing yeah. with an elbow injury, which all sounds like kinetically linked, right? It's all something that I think he was trying to put to bed and then he was never really able to put to bed. I don't think it, when you look at the horizontal movement, you look at the vertical movement, you look at the release point, there isn't anything that speaks to me as drastic changes, but it just speaks to the fact then that it just seems like a guy who probably wasn't comfortable pitching last year um i also think that it is of note that brett strom is their new pitching coach out in arizona i think that could be a theoretically big point for him and i think even um sp streamer had an article over at rotographs that talked about the positive impact that brett strom could have that was a really nice piece about all the different pitchers there i think at the end of the day to listen it's easy to say well this is the the longest you know this this is the most innings that zach allen had put up in his career and maybe this is the real zach allen it's not I, I really I just genuinely don't believe that it is with the arsenal that he has with that, that, you know, the the curveball and the way that he utilizes that four seamer, that slider is obviously great. And the cutter has some great upside to it. There's just so much breadth of arsenal there that I just really have difficulty believing that he's anywhere near a, a four ERA pitcher next year. Sure. And you even mentioned, oh, this is how much that gallon can go. He threw 171 innings in between uh, AAA and the majors in 2019. 
So mm. I don't think that's out of the question. Then what did you do next year when all 12 starts at a six IPS of 72 innings uh, yeah. for the Diamondbacks? So this was the abnormality. He was known as a healthy guy until 2021. So I'm not too worried about Gallon for 2022 when it comes to health. Also, obviously, you have to have something. I mean, those are three separate things, but as you mentioned, probably all linked. And I think what happened is you had someone that was um, jump-started. He didn't get back into rhythm. Also, he is a bit – I don't talk about this at all with Gallon because he had just been in such a rhythm that I never really thought anything different of it. He does uh, land cross-body. That is, hmm. he steps – he's on the third base side and actually steps a little bit closer to it. Um, and he got out of rhythm. You know, he didn't have his curveball cutter or changeup working at all last year. Fastball is the only reason why he was able to be any good – I uh, still had a 27% strikeout rate last year, but the the fastball was uh, the pitch that kept him in games. I mean, his 25% call strike rate matched the 2020 mark, actually a little bit down 29% in 2020. That's what he does. He gets called strikes with fastballs. Guys don't want to swing at that. They want to swing at the secondary stuff. Sadly, the changeup underperformed. The strike rate went from 56%, just 57, sorry, 66% to 57. Mm. 65 plus is what you want to see. Uh, 57 is definitely not. You don't want under 60% strike rates, especially on your secondary pitches where you're supposed to be getting all the strikes back that you're not necessarily getting effectively with your fastball. Uh, Cutter at 58% and curveball at 58. None of those three that all had been above 60% all fell underneath 60% strike rates. Uh, So Gallon needs to get those back. I think he was out of rhythm. And I think he can. Give him a healthy offseason. No problem with health. Starting out at the gates. I think there's a lot to like here. I gotta say. Yes. I love you. I'm not convinced about strike rate yet. Yeah. Well, I think it's an indication of sh- of like you need to get strikes somehow. You have yeah, to but why it. if you, you pointed very aptly to that significant drop, who's to say mm-hmm. that 80 percent of that drop isn't contributed to base hits? Well, that includes base hits. That's what I'm saying. So you were saying that he went from a 66 percent to like a 56 percent strike yeah, rate. Right. Yeah. If he got fewer base hits, the percentage would go down, wouldn't it? Well, I mean, that's because there's fewer it, balls in play. It's more, it, well, it's balls. So essentially, you would see is the O swing different or not, right? Is it are the guys still chasing out of it? So you don't just look at strike rate, but I mean, it, it corresponds to this too. Like the change of, for example, 66 to 57, O swing went from 43% to uh, 36%, and the zone rate dropped from 40% to 33%, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, a, a pitcher needs to get strikes. They have to do this. This is this, you're going to be bad if you, if you throw balls, then you're going to be in worse counts. So that when you do throw a strike, then they're going to hit harder, right? We all know this. The batting average changes based on count, too. Totally. Right? And then it's also very important. Look at strike percentage and, of course, what happens in play. You know, a very basic way of doing that that I've been doing is what is the batting average allowed? And you get a general good sense of he's throwing more strikes and they're not crushing it as much, right? I mean, of course, there's other ways in batting average. You can look at ISO. You can look at uh, hard hit percentage, all that fun stuff, too. Uh, But overall... And the best pitchers are going to be the ones that get a lot of strikes and aren't getting hit hard by them. We talk about CSW why not as use... another way of doing it. But yeah. then also CSW, I'm thinking, doesn't showcase the guys that throw a lot of strikes and have good uh, or weak contact, I should say, in play. So this is where I'm, I'm merging it. I think as far as an all-encompassing understanding uh, of a pitcher... They're trying to get a 60 to 65% strike rate and they're underneath it and they fall with it. That just to me showcases that it's a uh, less effective pitch. So is it essentially Babbitt plus CSW? Babbitt plus CSW and then fouls. And then fouls. But it's not necessarily Babbitt, but yeah, it's just balls in play total. 
not necessarily BABIP, right? But yeah, I, I see what you're going at because you're trying to combine the average part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, let's get down to your next person who I think is a really interesting pick that I think over the over the years that I've known you, I think you've had a tumultuous relationship with this picture. I, that's a I think good you, way of describing it, yeah. Yeah, I think there's been some there's been some you you guys are in a love-hate relationship. You're that friendship where sometimes <laughs> you see him and you love him and sometimes you see him and you just hate him. Uh, and this is your pick for a guy who's going 50 to 75 in NFBC ADP who could theoretically be a top 20 pitcher and that's Sean Manaya. Is Sean Manaya last year? I think a lot of people forget had these stretches of just pure dominance and multiple double-digit strikeout games. And the biggest thing uh, for me, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, he increases velocity a ton. I mean, we're talking last year. I uh, well, actually, 2020, 2019, 91 on his fastball at best. Sorry, 90, 90.4 even. You know, he had to go back to 2017 to be above 90.4 on Shamanaya's fastball. Averaged in 2021 was 92. And at the beginning of the year, it was 90 and, and you're 91 and you're not what you're looking for. But then by the end, I mean, 92 in his last game, 92 again. Uh, he had days of 93.3 on on September 9th. And what did he do that day? Seven innings of nine strikeouts against the White Sox with mm-hmm. one earned run and six base runners. And I, I talked to Andrew Triggs uh, last week. You guys haven't listened to that yet. It's on the Talking Pitching uh, podcast uh it's on this feed you can also follow that feed individually oh and by the way this is you know you can rate podcasts on spotify now if you listen to us on spotify oh. definitely give us a rating review it goes a long way for us so i didn't know please that consider doing that uh but anyway what andrew triggs talked about was he's a man that knows injuries unfortunately and mm-hmm. he talked about shoulder surgery and shoulder injury which sean Manaya had and he, he made a very interesting point that yeah Shoulder injuries, they take time. And what he means by that is not being on the IL, but also when you're pitching, you're still getting your strength back. Mm. And he made me consider that maybe Sean Manaya, who had this enter, came back into the end of 2019 from that shoulder injury, uh, was still trying to get back to into a groove with that, that shoulder. And finally, this season had enough time to really power through it. And that second half velocity went way up. So I'm not going to rule out the fact that Sean Manaya in that time, I mean, he could be like a 25% strikeout rate guy. He had a 25.7 last year when he across the entire season, uh, 32 starts last year yeah. and, and could be, could be rocketed in, in Oakland with a 92, 93 mile per hour fastball with a slider and changeup that are absolutely filthy at times as well. There's something here. And I, I feel like he's going a little bit too far. In ADP, I looked at it uh, right before this, where he was going. Uh, sorry, this is Sean Manaya. I made a noise. 152 <laughs> right now in ADP. I feel like that should be closer to 120, 130. Yeah, that's it. I mean, okay, so let's 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 see the reasons why. I mean, there's, there's a good amount of reasons why he wouldn't be able to. We're not talking about that, oh, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the fact that, you know, 179 innings last year was the career high. But it is really awesome to see, as you kind of aptly pointed out, that was a career high whiff rate on that sinker. I mean, like this was a guy who was never really, this was not a, a, a swing and miss pitch for that dude. Uh, and then when he came in with this kind of three pitch arsenal, baseball savant calls it a curveball, as you already mentioned, uh, fan graphs calls it a slider, his breaking pitch, but he's focusing on those three pitches now. And that sinker just took huge steps forward for him. It became yeah. just a much more dangerous piece of that arsenal as opposed to just kind of this get me over force uh, heater. I mean, it's a, uh, we're talking to, 12.8% swing strike rate across all fastballs thrown by Benaya. You kind of want to throw out 2019 because it was five starts. 
But mm-hmm. even that was 11.7. But no other season. I mean, other seasons were like 7% swing strike no. rates. This was a legitimate jump that we look at the end of the day, and the day we say, oh, it was a 391 ERA and whatever. It's Sean Manaya done. No, 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 no. Uh, over 20% K minus walk rate for the entire season, which is a very good number to have. We should be treating him with higher potential than we are. Yeah, I'm kind of sold. That's a, that's a really good point. I didn't even realize that the sinker was getting as many whiffs as it did. Um, Who's your next, next guy, Fast? The next guy is another. This one's kind of a more obvious cop out. But to be honest, the fact that he's this low kind of is interesting to me. And it's Luis Severino. I mean, mm, Luis yeah. Severino is going to come back. I mean, he's had plenty of time off. We saw him in some relief appearances last year. Um, and you have to imagine that the Yankees are probably going to let the gloves off a little bit more. They're not going to probably baby him as much. It wouldn't surprise me to see Luis Severino with 150 innings next year, especially because who else is pitching for, for the for the Yankees after, <laughs> after Garrett Cole? It's Jordan Montgomery. And yeah. um, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I think they're going to need, a, you know, a, a good amount. I really was just looking at there. I forgot. I mean, yeah, Nestor Cortez, there could be some fun gifts coming out of there. But like, it, 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 it's a pretty Vermont. steep drop off. Yeah. It's a I mean, pretty Zach steep Tyone, drop off. Sorry, Zach Tyone. James and Tyone should be returning uh, about in a month after the season or so. Something like that. Yeah, because we'll he had his ankle surgery, right? Correct. Yeah. So he so they're going to need a good amount of innings out of Luis Severino. And it, it, it's no you know, secret that when Luis Severino is pitching and he's pitching healthy, there's just a fantastic amount of upside here. I mean, he's never fully hit a 30% K rate, but he's been extreme. He's, he's dabbled. He's really dipped his yeah, toes in the water sure. over 30% K rate for quite some time. <laughs> this is a guy that his ceiling is a, a, a low three, high two ERA with a near one whip and a 30% K rate. We've seen him do this. We almost saw him do this back to back years. Even that slight step back in 2018 was a 1.4 excuse me, 1.14 whip with a 3.39 ERA. He still supported a, I think that was actually his only season with a FIP under uh, three. That was a full length season for him. Yeah, it was. There's so much upside him for him, especially pitching with that team. So yeah, I, I wouldn't, if he, if he was on the port around that pick, I just think that you have a potential to get a third ace there. If you're going, yeah. well, at that pick, what is it? It's like pick, what round is that? I'm so bad at quick maths. Uh, let's say it's pick 60. Uh, you'd probably be going for your SP2 at that point, probably. Well, unless you're Nick and you'd be going for... Well, okay, you know, so in NFBC ADP, it's 167. Oh, that's uh, right. So I'd say in a 15-teamer, that's about the 11th round. Or 10th, 11th oh, round yeah. or so. so you're real deep. In. So you're I... talking about getting a... Well, yeah, so, so the, in your 12-teamers, it's about the 14th round um something like yeah daddy i'll do that all day long i'm a fan i the one thing we have to note is well how many innings do you think he's thrown since 2018 fast 20 yeah it's 18 and i remember (laughs) how high i was on severino entering 2019 and no we just got a lost season there then he tries to come back and what do you know it's, it's tommy john uh, before even the pandemic happened, or really just kind of like amidst it going on. Um, we lost 2020. We pretty much lost 2021, just six innings of relief. There's a question of how much that affects a guy. Uh, is he 
totally going to be healthy here? I mean, that's two separate injuries. It wasn't the elbow twice, right? Uh, I believe it was the shoulder. Then it was the the elbow for Tommy John. Um, that's a guy removed for three years from it. I've made the assumption last year about Kluber and Tyone, mm. uh, about their ability returning after long injury breaks, and I was burned by that. Uh, so I am a little hesitant to to jump on that, considering I do like a lot of guys um, around this area. At the same time, you're not wrong. I mean, 2017-2018, legitimate A stuff. Over 30 starts in both game, uh, both seasons. 104 whip, 114 whip, 28-29% uh, strikeout rates. I mean, this is what you want to see. Uh, it's just too much of a mystery box for me. But yeah, absolutely top 20 upside. I guess what, what makes it, I mean, I know I don't want to speak directly comparing to Kluber and Tyone because I know you're talking more about situation than you are about breadth of pitching. But I think with Severino, for me, it's just like since we've seen it, since the age isn't a factor like it was for Kluber and since we've seen it and we know pretty, I don't want to say distinctly, but it wouldn't surprise anyone to have him be a low three ERA pitcher again. I guess I would feel like it doesn't seem like the... um over the course of a full season, if he was able to get 140, he would be able to figure that out. You know what I mean? Right. He would be able to, at it's, some point, get to that level. It's definitely more convincing for a guy who's going to be 28 next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I absolutely understand that. Keep in mind, in the, in the relief appearances, uh, for Seamer was 95 last year. How much stock you want to put into that versus the 97, 98 that he was averaging in 2019. Uh, sorry, 17 and 18. Don't know if that's really anything to say anything about. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, it, he wasn't quite like the dominating, overwhelming Severino when he did come back necessarily in those very minimal innings. Yeah. But yeah. It's just, it's a question mark and it, it yeah, it, it's going to grow around a time that you can actually get legitimate value. So we'll see. Uh, death taxes and Nick Pollock, love and John means, How did you uh, we're not moving John into, means. Uh, I don't believe he has that upside. What? I don't. Oh, and I don't you believe... keep saying that he threw a perfect game, but no, he, he doesn't did. have well, that upside. Well, yeah, I do say that because I speak the truth. Like, you but... can't get mad at me for saying a fact. You can't get mad at me for being like, yeah, we also <laughs> landed on the moon. I'm Why only are you saying dying fact. on this hill? <laughs> There's no hill to die on. I'm, I die on it the hill. It was an error. And... An error doesn't mean it's a perfect <laughs> game. Fast. I don't think you're remembering it correctly. <laughs> uh, John Means threw a perfect game, oh, and he is no. not a top 20 upside pitcher, in my opinion. But wow. you love John Means, and I love that you love John Means because it's always nice to talk about good Orioles. I also love John Means, just not as much as you do. And let's hear your case for John Means having that top 20 up. Sure. First of all, um, you know, as long as there's health, which is always the thing with pitching, he certainly yep. is going to go as long as he can. He still threw 145 innings last year. So don't worry about it. They'll be, yep, go start. And you can have a six plus IPS, all that fun stuff you want out of a legitimate ace. Uh, as far as the stuff goes, uh, we've seen the fastball velocity uh, average 94 as it did in 2020. Sure, it was 93 last year. Still very effective pitch for him. Changeup got better as the season goes on. I still think there's another level for the changeup to get better as he makes it uh, a little deeper in the zone, a little bit farther down with more consistency. Still got so many strikes with 30% CSW with it, 18% swing strike rates, the highest he's ever had on it. It's an awesome pitch. And I think the curveball is taking shape better. Highest usage was in 2021 for John Means. Uh, 33% CSW on that, got a ton of called strikes on it. I think that is going to come out in a big way. And you have a three-pitch mix that should work uh, super effectively. 
356 ERA, 103 whip, and a 23% K rate last year is mm. really good. And I think he can get better and do this over a longer period of time. So John Means has legitimate top 20 upside fast, and I will not hear otherwise. I just feel a few people gave up as many home runs with as many innings as he did. He gave up 30 Wait, home runs. Only way up. <laughs> no, the only thing that's going up is his fly ball rate. That's what scares me. <laughs> I just think that him in that park, especially, I mean, I think he can fix that fly ball problem. It was, it was a, it was a career high fly ball rate. And I do think he's more of a ground ball pitcher, but if he is going to continue to amp up that fastball velocity and maybe attack with that pitch, 30 home runs and these aren't gimme home runs i mean the only guys around him who are throwing as many innings and giving up that many home runs are marco gonzalez jay hap Tarek skubel uh everyone else is throwing far more innings with far fewer home runs man corbin burns with seven home runs is just absolutely insane by the way that's just <laughs> that's insane that's absolutely insane that that man threw that many 170 innings about and gave up seven home runs. Um, I, and I, I just worry that that is always going to be a problem for him. Hmm. Uh, that, that's my biggest concern. You know, what I want to say is that despite all of those home runs, three, five, six ERA. And I think it can that, be better. That's a positive and a negative, right? Because next year, the ho- if the home runs are staying, it could go the other way. The home sure. runs have always oh, yeah. been a problem for him. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm believing that he there is a better John Means inside of this body than we've seen in the past. Uh, am I saying that he's going so. to be a top 21? That's not what this podcast is. No, no, no. You hope so dearly. I, I, think it, I think what's happening right now is your Baltimore um, pessimism is trying to protect Alex Fast from disappointment once again. No, I uh, while I have lived through <laughs> enough disappointment, these 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 <laughs> numbers, I do still think it's funny that there's a chance that if we do have a boy, it will be named Grayson because if Grayson Rodriguez doesn't pan out, then uh, I'm doomed. Yeah. Um, DL Hall though, don't worry. Yeah, that's, thank God they changed it to IL because that would have just been a, a joke oh waiting God. to happen. Um, all right, <laughs> let's uh, let's move into the DLH. First... All right, no, yeah. Um, Let's move on. I, yeah, let's move on to your your picky. I mean, you took you took one that's absolutely it's my boy. Well, it's I, I, yeah. This is a guy where I almost felt bad taking it from you because I feel <laughs> like I, I feel like this would I, it, had I not chosen him, would he have been on your list? Yes. Yeah, uh, and, and that's Wasker Inoa. I mean, I feel like I I should almost let you go ahead and talk about why you no, love Wasker no, no, Inoa no. so much. Um, no, we'll get to that in a second. But I, I you know, I so remember. This is who we think has the upside to reach it. I personally don't think Wascari Noah is going to reach it, but I don't think that you can deny the fact that this man has a, a four seam slider combination that can be when it's on just like absolutely illy. Um, a, a guy who is leading to his slider as predominantly as he does, and then still supporting an 18.4% swinging strike rate on the pitch Uh is there's something there there's really something there and while i do think the lack of you know the fact that the slider could not be as dominant for a stretch could be the reason why he doesn't um perform as well if the opposite happens and that slider stays on for a continued amount of time where he finds consistency with that pitch that's a that's a really really dangerous one-two punch from uh from wascari noah and also like he, he rarely rarely went to it there is some potential with that changeup. 
like there is just some oh, this is great nick went on mute and just been burping into the mic but he <laughs> muted it so i can't why hear it i just see that his, up why would your, you your possibly face, make that up it's like a it's like watching it's like, a mime burp <laughs> it's, it's like, like you don't want to talk about waskari <laughs> noah you're just trying to make up things about me yeah yeah yeah. that's yeah. what it is. i mean <laughs> do you i we, you know i'll let you talk about that that four seam slider combination do you see mm. kind of what i see with that change up do you think there is a little bit of upside there with that change up I mean, he's got to really get better at it. It was not a good pitch for him as far as uh, consistency. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, 24% CSW is not what you want. Uh, 47% strike rate is as low as it gets. I, I will not use that. I'm sorry. But a 30% zone rate with a 29% O swing. I think that says it all for you. Um, it was a really good batting average allowed of 0.71. It's just no one really offered it much and nothing yeah. really came of it. Um, so I really look too much into that. Uh, it is fascinating to me that his second, sorry, third to last start, he went four innings against the the Diamondbacks through seventy five pitches. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm thinking of the wrong one. the The Padres four and two thirds, eighty six mm. pitches, sixty two of them were sliders, seventy two percent usage, and he allowed seven runs. Seven runs. It's crazy. Yeah. It's he had 15 whiffs in the slider. It's in a 39% CSW, but this is the importance that we have to put on. It needs to be more than just one breaking ball. That fastball needs to be decently commanded too. I think in the first half when he went on that really nice stretch before punching the bench in frustration, I mm-hmm. uh, showcased a much better fastball. It got hit a little too hard in that second half, but yeah, as you mentioned, the slider is legitimate. And we, we were seeing the ascension. People believed in him as a top 35, 40 guy um, with higher, you know, could go longer as long as he was still pitching and doing all right. Um, and then he hurt his hand and we never really got the same back. So don't forget this. I, I keep saying this in every podcast I've been on for like the past like 10 podcasts. Like Waskari Noah is going way too uh, late in drafts at mm. the moment. And I think that he's going to be pushed up at least closer to 200. I mean, where is he now? He's he's at two thirty six. I saw I saw him at two twenty and I was upset. He's going the other way. That's unbelievable. This has to change. I, I was also looking too. I can't pull it up quickly enough, but I think he is like a top thirty youngest player in baseball too. Yeah, he's only twenty three. He's twenty three. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane right. that he is 23. That's a really good point, though. I mean, we can't, you know, the talent is clearly there. 96 plus on the fastball with this insane 38% CSW slider. That he throws half the time. Uh, yeah, there are things he could do better. You know, yeah. development isn't a, a a straight line. It's, you know, he could explode. He could learn something new this offseason. <laughs> he could explode. You know, so. He could so. just explode. <laughs> He could uh, be walking right. down the street and he Guys, could combust. I want to. I want to say something really quickly. What? I. Uh, it's weird for me yeah. uh, doing podcasts at nine from like nine to ten or whatever, which is what we're going to be doing. I'm going to be doing fast. If it's a six o'clock and change. Is this delirious, start, Nick? You talking I about? I start hinting at delirium this early. <laughs> I'm going to lose words. I said. He's, he's on is on up or something like that. He didn't say on his way up or something. I just missed a, a, a word. This is going to happen all he year. Explode. He could explode. <laughs> he could just explode fast. Listen, you know, 
what is the biggest physics? problem? <laughs> the biggest problem with Waskari Noah at any moment, he could explode. That's the biggest problem with Waskari. Not Noah. anyone else. Yeah, just, just Waskar. You never, you know, you know, today's Atlanta game was postponed because <laughs> the starting pitcher exploded. Um, all right. Uh, oh, the next no. person that I want to talk about is Mr. Whiff himself. We have a lovely T-shirt detailing his oh, yeah. incredible feats in the pitcherless store that you should check out that I should actually buy because I would like to really bring should. it to a to an Angels, Angels game, game now that it's yeah, close right. to me. Uh, and that's a man who helped me win Tout Wars. Yes. Oh, I had him too in Tout. I yeah, the Irish Panada. As the biggest inside joke, I think, at Pitcherlists. If you mm. don't get it, Pablo Sandoval is the panda and Irish being Patrick. Then I put out an SB Roundup called that, but I made it Panada instead of Panda. Because I put it out at like 1.30. And I, I left it. I didn't change it. I think it's still there. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Maybe some editor went in and made it Panda, but I left them. it for a while. Do not. Absolutely not. They're just trying to do good for us. And that's amazing. <laughs> they are the angels of Pitcherlist. Okay. Uh, but anyway, Patrick Sandoval, who is this guy? He has a changeup and slider that makes him look like he's a guardian instead of an angel. <laughs> he's a guardian angel. Oh, my Lord. I'm doing this. You can't say that now, though, because of Cleveland. But yes, yeah, that's, that's that's guardians. Oh, because he is, <laughs> that's the he joke. That because arsenal. now I can say it. Right. Oh, 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 oh OK. Oh, that's what, because he has he has the makings of a Cleveland guardian in that he has a fastball that we don't want to get hit. But he has two secondary pitches, two secondaries. OK. Okay, right. the changeup had a 35% CSW with a 29% swinging strike rate. Guys, you've listened to this podcast for a while. You've heard us say all these rates and all this stuff all the time. Have you heard of a pitch for a full year over 87 pitches? I guess not a full year, but a good amount of time having a 29% swing strike rate. You haven't. And asked. a changeup, no less. If someone said slider, I'd be like, that's really, really good. A changeup, that's, uh, it's, uh, it's like you said, it's unheard yeah, you of. Don't see, you don't see that. Uh, maybe like uh, peak Patrick Corbin had a 27% percent, uh, percent, percent. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> a swing strike rate on his slider and peak times. But, I mean, it's insane. And then the slider had a 35% CSW in its own right with a 49% zone rate. So he's getting strikes with a breaking ball, making guys miss with the changeup 45% O swing. And he has a fastball that isn't amazing. It's not the worst thing ever. 93 miles per hour on it. It's 26% CSW. He gets a decent amount of strikes, but got hit a little too hard. That's really the thing to monitor with him. Mm. But all being said, I mean, the month of July and August, they were just so good for Patrick Sandoval. He dominated so many teams, had these wonderful stretches, had 13 strikeouts against the Mariners, sorry, against the Twins, the the start after, I think, of the... No, two starts after the uh, 32 whiff game, which is just... I still can't believe that he had to start with 32 whiffs. Then Garrett Cole had to show up and say, like, eh, I'm going to have this too. So he also had a 32-start whiff game or whatever. Bad sentences. Ha! You understand. I'm upset at Cole. 32-start whiff Couldn't game. he just have, like, 31 whiffs in that start? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll reach out. Yeah. We'll see if we can complain. yeah. yeah. I totally um, did not butcher a single sentence fast. How dare you suggest Nick, that you've been asleep for 30 minutes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> wake up, Nick. Can someone oh, go to Brooklyn and wake up my friend? We, Nick? Okay, you know what? Before it's also 940. It's not like it's midnight over there. It's 940. It's, I have so much stuff I'm doing for PL7 fast. Right. And there's okay. PitchCon in the way. And I cannot wait. It's, there's a lot to get done, but it's all for the sake of everyone listening. So if you can support us with PL Plus, and if you can, just take a moment 
and listen to today's sponsor. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right. Thanks for doing that. You guys are the best. That was me, I think. Um, so go go do that thing that they said. It helps us out. All right. So we're going to continue this podcast that might go a little bit long. And we're going to go with Fast, who you have another guy between 75 and 100 that could be a top 20 pitcher. We're going to stay in the same team, too. Oh, and wow. And they could. They, oh, flat they may my never. Arms. You see them? <laughs> they may never pitch in the same week, considering both of their injury track records. But oh no, don't say that. Noah Syndergaard is my pick. He's a guy who's who is continuing to fall. There is so much. I mean, I'm trying to think of if there's a guy with a larger gap between like risk and reward right now. Uh, I, I feel yeah. like he's got to be like top yeah, ten because uh, that's up there. Because right there, there's a chance that Noah Syndergaard comes back and we're like, oh, yeah, there he is. There's the guy who's got that 27 percent K rate. He's got that one point oh five whip. He's got a low ERA. Shredding right now as you say. Oh, yeah, there he is. Yeah, there he is. He looks like the real Thor as opposed to what Thor ended up looking like in the second end game. You know what I mean? Like that, which is what he's been more recently. Right. There's no point. You know, we we know that there is a a large amount of upside there. Okay, now, if I get to. I, I will say I do have a share of, of Noah Syndergaard. I have him in a keeper league because he's a dollar, and that's perfect because he'll cost me two after inflation, and I'm Wait, all so about that. So you're at the dollar, Thor? Very nice. That's good. <laughs> See? This is why I love Delirious Nick, by yeah, the way. I love yeah, Delirious Nick. Because the good and the bad flow, and that was a good one. Um, Waskari Noah exploding. Maybe not so much. Um, with, with, with Thor to if I'm getting into again, my personal belief. And while I do have that one, uh, you know, share of him um, or I've rostered him, I should be saying, excuse me. um, I really am scared by the fact that his coaches were like, he's back. We're not going to let him throw a slider. Oh yeah. That's (laughs) terrifying. That's absolutely everything with story though. Like I can't, I can't get behind this. And when he came back last year, you could say, Oh no, he was just easing into it. I understand all the arguments about, you come back from the injury and you just want to make one start and have some sense of normalcy so that it's not as big of a thing when you return the next year. You haven't pitched since this time. But oh yeah. no, you did last year, so you got that out of the way just for the next year. But it was 94.7 as opposed to the 97 and 98 we've seen in previous years. I don't know if that's something I should care about or not. I'm just going to throw it out there. But yeah, without that slider, that, that that's why we like him. 22 yeah. and 26% swing strike rates 2017 2018. I mean, that without that uh 
I don't think it'll allow them to throw the curveball, right? Is are they? Are they okay with that one? If, I don't know. I, I think it was just the slider specifically. I think he was allowed to throw the curveball. I mean, but I don't think he did. Initially, Thor was a uh, four-seam changeup curveball back in like 2015, 14. But then again, so but this is this is what we're talking about with, with that full spectrum too. If I said to you, "Hey, Nick." It's spring training. He can throw the slider and he's actually hitting 96 again. You'd be like, great, done. Yeah, you're right. I would. But then, of course, there's injury questions. Um, By the way, 2015 was when he came up, right? The debut against the Cubs. Um, But I, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 look, I, I, I learned the lessons. I have to be honest with myself of the lessons I learned. Thor and Severino are not the same level of quality as Kluber and Tyone. Fine. You can make an argument about Kluber, but we kind of had a hint that it wasn't. Sure. But I can't get out of my head of, Nick, don't don't chase the, the injured stuff. You know, when you have you have something that might not be injured. But then what am I saying? Because Means got hurt last year. Sandoval got hurt last year. You know I got hurt last year. So what do I know fast? This Let's is go. also pick 200 in, yeah. in, in drafts right now. You know what I mean? Like there, you, there is – so some of the other guys around him, if we're talking about upside, I mean, well, that's actually an interesting choice, bringing it back to the last podcast. The guy right above him is Tanner Houck. Yeah. Yeah, that's – it's two different ideas, right? I, I will say this also about Syndergaard. He's never quite been the guy we want him to be because the whip has always been high. His fastball has always been more hittable. Um, so for me, Severino is the better one for the sake of, oh, no, he actually has like a legitimate case of being an all-around ace. I didn't just say that because it rhymed. Uh, <laughs> Tanner Houck does have this more, yeah, a shorter range. You you mentioned the large uh, spectrum for outcomes in Syndergaard. I would take a little bit more of the safety in Houck, even though it's that's risky. You reminded me of something that I want to look up. Oh, I don't um, have my I don't have my soundboard yet. You got another person as a resource alert. I um, nailed it. He's it's a wonderful melody. Thank you. For, thank you. So what <laughs> I wanted to see is, yeah, that's not great, Bob. Um, I wonder if one of the reasons why we always saw that elevated whip was because as Thor was at his most prominent deed, Mets, if I recall correctly, were one of the worst infield def- uh, defensive infields in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a guy who always supported higher than average Babbitt. Average right? like a 330 Babbitt. Yeah. Yeah. Three th- so that's not great. And I wonder if that went into it. But then again, if the Angels last year had a very poor defensive How hurt was infield. Rendon? Because that helps a lot with Rendon being yeah. the third. That's a good point. Um and then yeah, who we'll, did they we'll see? There's uh Jared Walsh at first and then yep. no more Fletcher, right? Um Yeah, I think what he's are, what a, are hitters. <laughs> he's a cub. So that's the thing. Right now they're they're shortstop. No, uh, Fletcher is there. He's second base now. Okay. Their shortstop okay. though is a platoon um with Tyler Wade uh oh, wow. being the guy now totally for them. About that. Yeah, and then probably Jack Mayfield, who's an old Houston Astro. Hey, so, they could, yeah. could get one of those free agent shortstops before all said. That would be a very good fit. Um, I mean, yeah. Let's, oh man, let's say let's say they get like Trevor Story or something. That's Shohei Trout, Story, uh, Rendon, and Walsh. I mean, geez. Yeah, that's, that's really that's nice. Nuts. 
and then Cindergard, and then Michael. I forgot they have Michael Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen. Oh yeah, that's a fun end, thing too. Who uh, they're gonna say is starting? Yeah, I'm. I'm very curious about it. Uh, we'll we'll see what we get from Lorenzen. Yeah. Um, all right. We're gonna move now into oh, I, your top next one hundred one is is okay. Good. I'm not the it's, only one doing so small cop outs. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I looked is, at it. I was like, well, this has to be. Yeah, I do. I, I okay. I will say at ninety nine, I haven't really talked so much about Aaron Ashby. Just kidding, but I Aaron Ashby is someone that we should at least note of uh, the legitimate upside of being a top twenty guy. The slider is one of the best pitches, one of the best sliders that we saw last year. Changing because a lot of zone it means a lot of strikes. It's really effective. Get a lot of called strikes with that too. Hard to hit, and the sinker is like ninety six, and I. You know, there's obviously a lot of talent there for for getting outs, and that just seems like a wonderful package there. Biggest question with Ashby, of course, is playing time. I don't believe that the Brewers will start him. I think they'll go with uh, Lauer and they'll go with Hauser, and it stinks, but I think that's just the nature of it, which means that it's going to be a headache or a hipster headache-inducing starting pitchers and stuff with the entire mm-hmm. roster with Aaron Ashby. Um, 100, I almost went with John Gray. I'm not going to rule it out that John Gray figures it out finally. Um, outside of course, and goes to an amazing, amazing pitching park in in Texas. Fastball slider guy, like we've seen fastball slider ascensions before. Uh, so maybe that works. Uh, but yeah, Josiah Gray, boy, like, come on, it's Josiah Gray. Like if he gets his fastball command down for a while, the slider and and curveball are legitimate. We've also seen the fastball itself have over ten whiffs in a game already, and he went through a bad command moment in September. I think he kind of got out with out of it. I need to watch the Colorado and Boston game. I watched the Miami one where it looked good on paper. Wasn't as good watching it. But yeah, Josiah Gray is going to get all the opportunity in the world in, in Washington and uh, D.C. And I'm I'm really excited to watch him pitch this year. Yeah, me too. He looks like a really he is, he is a fun dude to watch pitch. Um, my guy is going to be another kind of grizzled old veteran who just had a year to forget last year. And that's Carlos Carrasco. Mm. Um it really wouldn't surprise me to see a bounce back for him. And I think it was Eno who had a a piece on likely bounce back pitchers um, over at the athletic a couple of days ago. <clears throat> and he brought up that the, the location and the command on all of those pitches was actually still kind of there, right? Mm-hmm. It was the movement that didn't really match, which could theoretically speak to the fact that he was dealing with non-sticky stuff issues. Sure. Right. And maybe with a full off season, this is a guy who could theoretically get back to that. But he still has that four pitch mix that he was throwing pretty effectively when it comes to command. I just think that I don't know if I'm fully ready to give up on Carrasco quite yet. I'm with you here. I think it's crazy that I were so down on him considering a the 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 track record of injury that made made it so that he was interrupted and didn't get into rhythm with those two secondary pitches. Finally, we actually have a healthy you know season to start full season. Um, the other half is normally with these older guys, when we start fading them like former aces and stuff, you know, the number one thing, right? It's velocity, Hmm. not a huge drop. It's a small one, but not that significant dip that we normally see. Yeah. So that's still kind of there. And it makes me wonder if he gets the feel back for that slider and changeup, then things could be pretty good for Crasco. I really like that pick. Yeah. He's also free. He falls out in 12 teamers. He falls outside yeah. of the top 300. There's a chance that you could take Carlos Carrasco as your final pick there of a draft. There are so many possible top 20 guys. I'm going to just list them off. I'm not even going to say anything, okay? okay? Patrick Corbin, don't forget. Like, Patrick Corbin, velocity went way up. I'm going to have to say something. Sorry. 
He was throwing like peak velocity in September, if you can believe it. I, well, yeah, I'm, I, I'm not saying draft him, but like this this podcast is the upside starting pitch. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. You're right. Uh, I'm not going to rule out uh, Luis Patino figuring it out in Tampa with an amazing fastball uh, in the slider that should be better than it was last year. Uh, we have, oh man, Alex Reyes. I can't, I just have to laugh every time I see Alex Reyes. I just want to work fast. Mm. I, I just want to work so badly. Um, and lastly, I'll say Jesus Lazardo. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, what, do you, what, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? I mean, what are we doing here? That you, he, was, you didn't... he was part of the reason. Um, but I saw Josiah Gray. I'm like, yeah, well, that's that's Josiah Gray. But Jesus Lazardo uh, increased curveball usage, increased changeup usage, pulled down on the fastball that wasn't working as well. But that used to be a good offering for him. And I think four seamers instead of sinkers is going to be a good thing for Lazardo, especially leaning on that amazing breaking ball. Uh, he's going to get all the opportunity in the world, I think, with Miami. They did that by trading away Zach Thompson and mm. going to also and pulling <clears throat> Thompson out of the rotation in August and September for Luzardo. They made that deal for him. He's going to get those opportunities. And I'm really excited to see how Luzardo develops this year. There's so many dudes. I mean, there's uh, I was just looking down the list. Nate Pearson. There's still so much upside there. Mm-hmm. If he can stay healthy yeah. over the course of a full season going at a pick 420 right now. Um, like, I don't think it's going to happen, but Chris Paddock has shown that he sure. does have upside over the course of a year. Uh, he's at pick 395 right now. And who's at pick 452 fast? 452? Jose Suarez? No. Reed Detmers? Dylan Bundy? Yeah. Zach Eflin? There he is. There he is. Okay. <laughs> Yes, Zach Eflin. No, uh, Dylan Bundy. Uh, I was like, what? Wins. Dylan. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is that when Maeda went there, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't throw your fastball as much. Throw, you know, keep mm-hmm. throwing sliders a ton. <clears throat> Dylan Bundy's slider is still elite. I don't know if you guys know this. It's still elite. Yeah. Uh, the other stuff was the problem. So if he throws more of that and maybe has better direction or approach it and everything, like there's, it, it's not completely over. And th- this is why we talk about this every year. Like guys that are drafted past 260 and I have that table of 24 pitches, pitchers that were legitimately good for your team last year. This is where they live. And we're talking about all of these. I guarantee you some of these are going to hit all of them. Absolutely not. I, uh, but just be mindful of these, of these players know who they are so that when they perform early, you're not shocked and you're able to identify what it is about them that, it could speak to, you know, long-term success. So, so much upside fast, so much fun. And of course I'm going to last on land on my favorite one of the group, Kyle Gibson. Cause he's your boy. I was going to say AJ puck. Remember him? <laughs> um, I do. I do. AJ and puck. I, I wow. want him to be a thing, but I think at this point it's just the reliever. And I know it stinks. Um, yeah. All right. We may have a nice little surprise podcast for you tomorrow. So uh, uh, hopefully you'll be able to tune in to that. Uh, I'm not going to say who it is right now because I don't want to jinx anything, but it should be a good one. I don't think you'll listen to it tomorrow, but another perhaps talking pitching coming soon. We'll see. Maybe uh, that we're excited about. Um, obviously, PL7 is coming close. So is PitchCon coming up quicker than you can believe so there's going to be a lot of exciting announcements about that sixth we'll have a video uh sometime next week to tell you all about it but we're very excited about it it's going to be a wonderful time 
It is. Uh, but with that said, that's going to do it for episode number 298 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.